Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much, Tzili. Otherwise, it is with me, Nancy Richards, talking women, and uh, also with Hazel Makuzeni and Albert Clausens. And what we have on the show today, well, Statistics South Africa through the gender inequalities of the country very firmly into the spotlight last week. You might remember we mentioned a few of the statistics, and I think kind of disturbing, I guess, but we're going to be looking at some of the findings. We're going to be talking to the Deputy D- Director at Statistics South Africa. She's uh, Kefilwe Masicheng. After that, we, well, in fact, not so much after that. Yes, indeed, after, right after that, we're going to be uh, going to be talking to an entrepreneur and founder of Haiti Media. She's very much uh, looking to promote the profile of African women professionals. So she just feels it's quite, uh, it'll be interesting to see the comparisons, certainly with the statistics, the inequality, and uh, what she has to say. And she being Rehama Esra. We'll be talking, staying with entrepreneurs, we'll also be talking to a champion of entrepreneurs. She's, um, she's Shahida Kassim, she's Professor Shahida Kassim, and she's a champion of entrepreneurship at the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, so it'll be good to find out what's going on there. But we're kicking off with uh, an all-woman quiz, or a woman-only quiz night that's coming up in Cape Town, so we're quizzing as to why, why a woman-only quiz night. I think we're perhaps with August uh, looming not so far away from us, which is, as you know, Women's Month, maybe that's the reason we'll be chatting to Varushka Lowe, she's with the Book Lounge, who are hosting that quiz. What's news? What's news? Well, is it me, or were you also shocked to read, certain down here in Cape Town, of the parents who are in court facing charges of selling their 13-year-old daughter for sex? Four women and one man were accused uh, in the magistrate's court there in Cape Town, amongst them the girl's, and mother, the girl's mother and stepfather, and it seems that she was sold for sex for anywhere between 20 and 1,000 rand a time. I mean, that is the ultimate betrayal, is it not? Talking of uh, children or young, very young children, more than 100 children in Durban have been infected by the rotavirus bug, causing serious diarrhoea and vomiting. And the bug is apparently the leading cause of diarrheal disease and dehydration amongst children right across the world. Once again, uh, there's a call for mothers and or caregivers to give their children a sugar and salt solution uh, to prevent the dehydration. You might remember we spoke to the designer of the Spoon of Hope just a little while ago on the show. And on her website, it says that 1.8 million children die every year as a result of dehydration that's so easily solved. And a reminder once again that the solution that you need to give your children, but do check, I'll give out the website just now, but a reminder that the solution is eight teaspoons of sugar to half a teaspoon of salt mixed with one litre of boiled water. That's eight teaspoons of sugar to half a teaspoon of salt mixed with one litre of boiled water. But check it out, it's www.spoonofhope.co.za if you you think your children might be at risk. And just whilst we're on health health issues affecting the family, uh, Charmaine Naidu, well-known columnist, as you will certainly know, has been diagnosed with breast cancer just a few short weeks ago. Well, her blogs will be published occasionally on the Times Live website, but you might uh, just like to check it out for yourself. I read the one that was in today's paper, but if you want to check it out, the the site is http colon forward slash forward slash blogs dot timeslive.co.za forward slash carousel and we will uh, make a link to that on our Facebook page yeah we'll make a link to that on our Facebook page and just talking of checking as a woman just reading it makes you instantly want to check your own breast for lumps so do it don't wait until October which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month read Charmaine's blog and just check your own breast for lumps 
And all our condolences to the family and friends of Jean Swanson Jacobs, otherwise known as Jean Benjamin. She died yesterday following a long illness, aged just 57. She was former Deputy Minister for Social Development and also served in the ANC in the Western Cape in a number of different roles. But what a courageous and warm woman she was. NC Provincial Chairman Marius Franzmann has called her a true patriot of her country, one of those revolutionaries who in the 1980s kept the flame of the struggle alive whilst in the UK. She was a musical activist who used her songs to make the world aware of the struggle against apartheid. Well, I do remember seeing her, witnessing her playing, and she certainly, she certainly did do it beautiful, and it's a wonderful thing to use the talent that you have for the beliefs that you also have. Um, she was very driven and talking her being in the UK. Apparently she was expelled from UWC for her political activists in activities in 1973 and she moved to London to avoid testifying in the trial of Dr. Seth Cooper and 12 others for terrorist activities. Well, uh, may she rest in peace and once again, as I say, our condolences to the fen- friends and family of Jean Benjamin. Listening to Otherwise. Thank you. Otherwise with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, it is, and starting on a lighter note on this Monday morning, why not? Let's be light. Um, coming up this Thursday is a special women-only quiz night. It's happening at the Book Lounge right here in the Mother City. And intrigued at the idea, we thought we would just give them a call to find out why. And on the line to tell us, we've got Varushka Lowe, who's in charge of the quiz night. She's also manager of the children's book section. And as such, we have chatted her before. Hi, Varushka. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Excellent. Thanks very much. We were intrigued to see that you're having a women-only quiz night. Well, firstly, we thought um, women are so competitive. Uh, It's often not seen that they are, but they're Mm. very competitive. They're great readers. And we thought, why don't we try it, to have a, a women's only quiz night. We got so inundated with requests mm. that we had to make a second night. And in theory, I could have probably made four more nights. Good so thing. Cape Town women, very competitive. Well, well, now there's a thing. It isn't something you normally say, well, I don't know, I mean, look at Casa Semenya. Maybe we do associate women with being competitive. So what are, you, what are you going to offer them? I mean, when you say it's a women-only, women-only may apply, is it yes, going to be so we, we, um, we, we can. We, the book lounge isn't very, very large, so we could have fit in ten teams. You can be up to six members in a team. Um, you can be less if you wanted to be. If you think that you can be clever by yourself, that's also fine. Um, and then the big thing was that the proceeds, it's 250 rand for a team to enter, but the proceeds go to our library project. We, uh, the book lounge every year helps build one school library. And so I think the nice thing was all the women were, we're keen, it's a fun night, and the money is for a good cause. That's good. So to ha- how many, how many um, six members to a team, but how many teams can you accommodate? We can take ten teams. Okay, so there'll be about 60 women, 250 rand. Just help me with the sums here. Yeah, How much are you planning to five, and because we're doing it over two nights, we're making 5,000 rand for the library. That's fantastic. And I guess everybody's going to have lots of fun. Do, yeah, it, we've got lots of book donations from publishers, so mm-hmm. the prizes are all books. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a fun night. We've got two comedians who are doing um, our quiz masters, Stuart Kins and uh, Wesley Cockrell. They're going to be the quiz masters. So everyone's going to be in for a fun time. 
And the content, is it going to be all about women or is it going to Mostly be... Mostly women. Okay. Um, and we've sort of gone from, you know, it's in different categories. So you have things like African politics, uh, but from a female angle. Um, and then you'd have things like junior celebrities, you know, which is very big. So some people might be, oh, I, I'm more from the feminist side of entering a woman's quiz night. And others are coming more from, you know, their book club maybe. So we try and think of people from all different characters and backgrounds who would be interested Yo, somebody's had fun researching that. Yes, lot. I've been on Google. <laughs> Was it, is it you? Have you been putting it all together? Yes, I've, um, it, it's really interesting because mm. you sort of you have a general, you know, you have a general knowledge in your brain. So you think, oh yes, what was that woman's name? And then you start reading about one thing, and your brain remembers something else. So yeah, I've had lots of fun. African politics, junior celebrities, uh, food. Mm. Um, I have one called Bookish. So it's, mm. it's it's a little bit around books, not so much books itself. So it will be it might be who an author is married to, or uh, the family history of an author. You know, sort of a little bit different. So that you sort of it's not just about having read a book but you need to know a little bit more about it yeah. I'm trying to tease out uh, categories here so that yes, people I can, I'm sure everyone has tuned in <laughs> so that people can Going, sort my of... team has entered what should I be reading yeah exactly exactly because as you say you know, there's, there's a lot also of... going to be um, you know we're going to there's going to be spot questions so um, throughout the night the, the quiz masters can simply ask a question and you can win a prize so it's not just all teams yeah. so if you think your team is lacking you can still you know get something to go take home. For if you're on a, quite a serious note here, I mean, African politics, junior... I'm, what do you mean by junior celebrities? Uh, uh, you know how there's so many children celebrities at the moment. Okay. You know, all the stars, children have got their own sites and... Um, I'm trying to think of an example that isn't on the quiz. Um, like, say, so for example, like the Beckham's children, you know, whatever... They've got one daughter, Harper, whatever she wears gets blogged, gets into the fashion pages. So... She has a presence, although she's three, you know, yes. so, so from that angle, there's also questions about things like that. Yes, I think Tom Cruise's daughter also had... Yes, they're all, it's, it's quite crazy, but it yeah. is part of the world we currently live in. It's the sort of thing that you might read and think, oh, that's such rubbish. Yeah, um, but, but hopefully... But I was going to say that on a, on a slightly more serious note, I mean, African politics, very often when you start digging back in history, it's a real battle to find where women have featured and been recognized. It's it's quite alarming how, talking in the beginning a little bit about um, the the statistics that that just came out about South African women. and I was quite amazed to find to find this in the statistics that women are more educated than men generally, but have a lower work rate. Isn't that terrible? So the same with Af- you know the women who you find who have achieved things in Africa are, so, are so ed- educated and they've really worked hard to get there. And compared to some of their male counterparts, you sort of think so unfair. Yeah, yeah, life has not been fair. In fact, just yesterday no. on our program uh, on SFM Literature, we spoke about a book called A World of Their Own. I don't know if you've got it there at the bookshop. It's by Megan Healy Clancy, I think it is, and it's, it's all about the history of women's education at the Ananda Seminary. Oh, wow. And just really interesting to see how many women were so well educated, albeit that it was a missionary, um, you know, because they were looking at bringing them up to be sort of wives and, and mothers and all that sort of yes. thing. None of it. Anyway, Varushka, um, a book for you to look out for. So you've now got two nights, so it's not just this Thursday. No, so this Friday, the 12th, uh, and then Friday. next Friday, the 19th. And we probably will have it later in the year again. Okay, but the, the big, big aim was to do something to raise funds for our library okay. project. Okay, well, I'm sure it sounds if you've got that 
many competitive women in Cape Town you'll be making it a regular. <laughs> What's your website if anybody would like to uh, it's sign just up? www.booklounge.coza. Booklounge.coza, if you would like to enter, if indeed it's not too late. Varushka, very best of luck. I hope you have lots of fun. Thank you so much, Nancy. Have a good day. Take care. There you go. If you're up for putting yourself in the firing line of a quiz, which sounds a little bit scary to me, check the website. It's www.booklounge.coza. Booklounge.coza. They're here in Cape Town. They've got a quiz night coming up on the 12th and the 19th, and the very best is that all that money is going towards their library project. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. The City of Joburg is piloting the Separation at Source project to 7 out of 10 households. The aim of the project is to reduce the amount of waste ending up at our landfill sites by 2016. The target is to recycle 160,000 tons of recyclable waste per annum. Environmental management in caring cities is one of the issues to be discussed at the Metropolis Annual Meeting on 16 to 19 July 2013 under the theme of Caring Cities. Metropolis is a meeting of world mayors who come together to discuss issues of common concern in order to improve the quality of their citizens' lives. Joe Berg, proud host of world-class events, proud host of Metropolis. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, it is with me, Nancy Richards, here on SAFM Talking Women. And don't forget, the show is podcast. If there's anything that you've heard particularly that you would like to hear again, you can find it on the SAFM website. It's www.safm.co.za. And, uh, um, and you go to the podcast section and scroll on down and you'll find... Um, and you'll... Yeah, you'll... So it's www.safm.co.za. Is that, is that what I said? I think so. Anyway, that's where you'll find the podcast. But right now, what we're talking about is uh, Statistics South Africa. Last week, you might remember that they released some statistics that painted a rather unequal picture in gender terms in their gender index. Uh, well, we have on the line to tell us a little bit more Deputy Director General at Statistics South Africa. She's Kefilwe Masiteng. Hi, Kefilwe. Hi, women. Thank you for inviting us to your show. Well, it's a pleasure. We are a woman's show after all. And we were, as, <laughs> like our previous guests, we were a little bit sort of shocked and disappointed to read some of the statistics. Just, um, you know, the good news is that South Africa is ranked fourth amongst 87 countries covered by uh, the Social Institutions and Gender Index of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So South Africa is doing quite well in some aspects. But give us an idea of what the questions were that were put out that, that arrived at these uh, arrived at these statistics. The statistics that we have released. Yes. Yes, the statistics that we had released were looking mainly at the life circumstances of the population and seeing how the population of South Africa is socialized in terms of looking at issues around gender inequality, uh, women's emancipation, and how progress is being made in terms of uh, empowering women within South Africa. And we still see that there are some issues that are there in terms of progress, but the statistics would be from uh, sources like general household surveys and uh, the census that was uh, conducted in 2011. So the census of which these are the result with 2011, we're comparing them with what? Has such a survey been done before? The same report was that from a multitude of, re- of, 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 of reports in 1998, and the second one was done in 2002. So this one is uh, the third one uh, uh, in terms of this series that we do. I suppose what's important is a comparison to see uh, how things are improving or worsening, as the case may be. 
Can you give us give us some examples? Okay. When we look at the manner in which South African uh, is socialized, we realize that there are areas, like you have explained, that we are seeing progress in terms of um, the, the, the gender index. We look at also the issue of uh, progress in terms of having women in what one would call professional um, areas or in management. When we looked at the statistics in 2001, we were sitting at about 21%. Today we can talk about 30% of women who are managers in terms of the professional work within the economy. We also looked at the, 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 the state at which the households or household formations are. We realized that about 41% of the households are female-headed. On the basis of that also, we see that about 28% of the children in South Africa are living with what we call people who are not their biological parents. When that happens, it happens that most of those or that type of burden is taken more in terms of support and care by females. And then you have about 39% of the children in the country that are living in only mother households. So that would be the, 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 the level at which a single mothers or, yeah, motherhood or, my, or women-headed households are socialized within, within the country. So there are also issues yeah. of education. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to the 39% of children living with mother-only in, in sort of mother-only households. Now, is that statistic, is it, how does that statistic compare with 2002? The, 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 the number has increased because mm-hmm. in 2002, I think we were sitting at uh, just below 29%. So that is increasing over time. We are starting to have more mothers, ma- mother-only households in the country. It looks like it's a positively increasing number. Yeah, so that's not a good thing. It, it, it is not a good picture at mm-hmm. all. Uh, even though we might also not want to simply immediately say single motherhood is, is bad because some of the single mothers would have done it on choice. But when we look at the impact, it would have to impact on how we talk about family formation in a, in, in, in a population where we know <clears throat> what we call nuclear households would be the households that have a mother, a father and children. What about education? Has there, has there been, give us some of the statistics there and that, you know, an indication of whether it's got better or worse for girl learners. When we look at education, when we start to talk about the first thing that would be enrollment. So in, in the country, we can see that South Africa has moved close to universal uh, at, uh, enrollment. Um, about 96% of our children at the ages of 6, 7 or so are all at school. So an enrollment, getting them to school, we are fine. But immediately you get to the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, you only have about 65% of that age group of people at school. It immediately tells you that they are dropping out of school. Mm. That being the case, you end up with something like 35.9% of females of the 3.1 million people that we talk about that we normally say they are need neither in education or employment or any form of training. So these are the people or the, 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 the females that would be idling between the ages of 15 and 24. That would not be a very positive um, yeah. trajectory if South Africa were to, 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 to continue like that. Therefore, 
it, it, it gives a very grief picture. Just, just, just recapping on that, I'm getting a bit boggled with these statistics, but the, between the age of, sort of 15 to 18, there's like a 55, only 55% of the 96% who enrolled initially are left. Do we have a breakdown? About 60, yeah, Is about 65. Oh, 65, percent. okay. Of yeah. that, do we have a breakdown of how many dropouts, you know, is there a greater percentage of dropouts of girls? And boys, or is it 50-50? Or? I think we, we, we can only anticipate that it has been dropped, dropped out um, because yeah. that of that, uh, that, that, that decline from 96 to 65, ending, and ending up with about 35.9 of them being out of school. But you immediately see that it happens more among women than, 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 than males. Because of that 3.1 million we are talking about, 85% of it is females and 29% of it is males. Which I sort of imagine would be impacting on the other one, which is um, much has been made of in the press, is how many women are working against how many men are working and the sort of disparity in what they're being paid. I'm just wondering if that amount of girls are dropping out of school, that might be impacting on whether or not they're going to get employed. Uh, at the moment, I, I, I do not have the exact um, absolute numbers, but uh, yeah, that, that's the picture that we have in terms of what we see in terms of um, being not constructed yeah. for the young people between the ages of 5 and 24. Yeah, and, and the, the figures, I mean, the employment figures are indicate that 72.6% of white men, 56.1% of white women, 42.8% of black men, and only 30.8% of black women were employed. So, you know, black women are, again, at the bottom of the pile in terms of employment. As, 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 as we, we move from the part that we have talked about in terms of education, and the decline in the manner in which the outcome uh, reflects itself, it immediately goes back to reflect itself in the employment uh, environment Mm -hmm. where you have uh, more men likely to be employed uh, than females. You have about 5.3% of women which is higher uh, in terms of employment, unemployment compared to, to males you will still have something like 27.8% of employment being females as compared to 22.5% being males. Mm. Not only the fact that we would say, yes, we have had males being primitively the ones who worked before, but now when there is a more interest in terms of getting into the labor market, it seems that the absorption is more favoring the males than yeah. for the females. Um, just Not lastly, also, I'm sorry, I just want to interrupt because actually your, your line is breaking up a little bit, but I just wanted to really know, what is the use of these statistics? Now that we see this in, you know, in, in black and white, quite literally, we, how will these statistics help us um, address the imbalance? I guess they make us better understand what are the factors in terms of the differentials that we see between the males and the females in mm. the country. We also see how we are socialized as a population so that we understand what are some of the factors that leave women or females of particular sectors of employment. For example, when you talk about women in construction, only 11% of the employment you see of management in construction is females as compared to about 89% that would be males. So we also 
still understand that there would be another transition in terms of getting women into some of the industries that have always primitively been known as your male-dominated industries. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the, the one that really hurts is the fact that um, women who have the same qualifications as men, on average, earn only 82% of the pay of their male counterparts. Maybe, uh, yes. hopefully, that can be addressed as well. I'm going to leave it at that, Kefilwe, but thank you very much. And I'm going to give out your website. If anybody would like to see more of those statistics and get all the, all the data there, I'll give out the website. Thank you for your time. Take care. Thank you so much. Kifiwe Matacheng, sorry about the quality of that line at the end there. She's the Deputy Director General at Statistics South Africa, and if you would like to check all those stats, it's uh, statssa.gov.za. Check it out, statssa.gov.za. It's 1.30, it's time for the news headlines with Otsile. But right now you're listening to uh, Otherwise here on SAFM, we're talking women. And still to come on the show, entrepreneuring. I'm not sure if such a word exists, but uh, you know what I'm saying. In a minute, we're going to be talking to Professor Shahida Kasim. She's an associate professor and champion of entrepreneurship at the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at the UKZN. We're finding out uh, how she's uh, getting young people to get, get out there and be entrepreneurs. But first we have on the line Rahima, Rahima, yeah, Rahima Issa. She's also an entrepreneur, and she's the founder of something called Haditi Media. And what she's looking to do is raise the profile of African women professionals. We got her on the line. Rahima, hi. Hi, Nancy. How are you doing? Excellent. Very well. Thanks very much. Um, Haditi Media. What, am I pronouncing it rightly? We're correctly? It's Haditi. Yeah. Okay. What is it? Why did you start it? Well, um, Haditi is actually a Swahili word for story. And I started it because I had a passion for story. I did my master's thesis on storytelling by South African entrepreneurs. And I decided to take it a bit further because what I found from the women that were telling me about their businesses is that the stories are very similar. So I expanded this search for what the story was to Ghana, to Botswana, to Kenya and Cameroon to find out what African businesswomen were saying. And I found that a lot of what they were saying was common. And I thought, well, what about having a platform and looking at the different things that we see in our media? I found it was very lacking in terms of what the real stories that these real entrepreneurs were facing. So I founded Haditi Media to essentially create a platform for getting women's stories out. Mm-hmm. So women right across all Africa, which countries have you been to? Well, I've been to Nigeria, Tanzania, Botswana, Swaziland, Lesotho, just a few countries on the continent. Yeah. Um, but I'm also engaging with a lot of entrepreneurs in all these different places. And um, what Haditi is attempting to do is to get the voice of women out. But it's going to do that in three ways. Um, the first way is through a speaker's bureau. Now, what we're finding is that a lot of professional women do not get into these professional platforms for speaking. So a lot of what they have to say is limited to professional conferences. And not a lot of other people get to hear some of the marvelous things that women are doing. The second thing is through television production. And this is now really getting some of these stories into a medium that is most commonly used these days to get stories out, television. And the third thing is through audiobooks. We, you know, we always lament that people don't read, but a lot of people listen. And trying to get some of the stories that women have to tell onto a platform that they can listen, they can download very quickly and access in a way that is more convenient to them. So not just finding the stories, but delivering them in a manner that is convenient for other women to access. For what purpose? To inspire other women? Beg your pardon? For what purpose? Is it to, so that women can inspire other women? 
it serves two purposes. <laughs> I always say that I don't start off a business right now just for the sake of making everybody happy. Yeah. One is for me <laughs> because I'm running a business and I can see that there's commercial value mm. in doing this. And the second thing is to actually is to highlight that the story of the African woman currently, I feel, is marginalized. It is, it is now um, the story of the African woman is getting lost. Mm. Our role and what we get to do is not being heard using our terminology, using our words and our experiences. It is being hidden with a greater this, um, journey that is happening. But at the same time, if you look at a lot of statistics, the reality is that women's progress in, in socioeconomic development is lagging. So there's a need to start showcasing where the lag is, but also highlighting and showing where there are places where women are progressing at a much faster rate. So I guess in a sense it is to inspire, to showcase, and also to elevate the conversation to the next level and saying, well, are we still discussing the right things? I mean, geez, August is coming up. We all yeah. know we're going to be inundated with Women Month. Um, let's do that. Let's have a party. But the real conversation I think we need to be stimulating actively as women citizens of this continent is, are we as women having the right conversation? Are we still having relevant conversations? And what are we actually talking about? And when we have these platforms that essentially give women a voice, are they saying what it is that we would like them to be saying? Absolutely right behind you all the way. I think it sounds like a really good idea and really interesting and particularly interesting that all those different countries that you've mentioned, that you're finding that there are sort of common threads amongst the women's stories. Give us an example of what some of those commonalities are. Commonalities, and I was laughing the other day, saying, well, look at the Harvard Business Review and you will not find things like um, an example that came up with somebody's employee saying that they've got the calling. Um, so how do you how do you deal with um, some of these uh, traditional and cultural challenges or not challenges but things that influences on an African woman's life that come into the workplace? How do you deal with them, still be professional and still be able to deliver to your clients with deadlines, etc. Um, another example is perhaps your family business where your father was the one running the business and he's passed on, and yet you've got older brothers, but you are essentially the one who takes on the mantle of running the business. How do you then continue this conversation as the person has always been seen as daddy's little girl to now become the empress at, at the helm of your business? Now, how do you have these conversations with people who were your father's peers, and you have to defer to them culturally in a certain way to engage with them? How do you come across as a professional that they need to engage with on a one-to-one basis? Um, gosh, there are numerous examples. Um, how do you then as a young, I think in the South African context, as a young black South African woman who's very, very vocal, um, get your place in, 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 at the front of the line without feeling that you've slept your way through or that you've done somebody extra favors and still be relevant and still be heard with the same kind of attention that somebody else would have? How do you, how do you for instance, start doing cross-border trade across the continent? Which countries are easier to do business with? These are conversations that women are having, and, and they're very relevant to where they are right now economically, socially, and in terms of progressing the discourse of how women can participate more effectively in the in relevant economy. It sounds like, to, together with your list of things that you're going to do with all this, the Speakers Bureau and the TV production, the audio books, you need to have a handbook uh, of solutions as to how women do cope with these things. In listening to their stories, have women found, I mean, it, you know, it's one thing to present the challenge, but have they found solutions? Have they found ways? And this is the amazing thing, and I think this is what I lament, is that they actually have. There is a great, um, there's, there's, there's something great about sharing a story and seeing how somebody overcame it, 
we will, we will typically, and I'll come back to the African context, we will typically sit back as a number of, and I know I'll probably get a lot of flags for this, a number of young blacks in Africa and South Africa say we couldn't do this because of A, B, C, D. We look at a, at, a, at a similar person sitting in Kenya with different challenges who was able to overcome it, but it was not about race, it was not about color, it was about courage, it was about, you know, gumption and going out there and getting it, and it was irrespective of the challenges that came your way, finding an alternative way to, to solve the problem. And I think what really comes to the core of this is how do women solve problems? How do women find a different way around the situation? So sitting back and saying, yes, the rules are a rugby game, so what game can I play and still be relevant in the rugby game, but not necessarily play it according to the same way that the rugby players are playing. And I think that that thing, that's the conversation that, you know, that is being highlighted, that those solutions find their way, whether you're in Cameroon, whether you're in Uganda, those solutions have relevance because at the end of the day, it's all about, it's all about commercial participation. Rahima, how far down the line are you in this process? Are you still talking to women? Have you now got the material? Are you processing it? Where are you? Um, different different phases with different things. Um, in terms of the speakers bureau, um, I'm hosting a boot camp on the second of August or second of September this year, and um, that's gone quite a way down the line. I've got my speakers lined up, and the idea behind that is to get women get women executives and professionals in a space where they can actually evaluate their, their public speaking potential as well as developing that. So it's not just about coming to a good camp and getting all raw right up, but actually matching that with a development program and package after the boot camp that helps them to, to, to promote their speaking potential. Um, in terms of television production, we've actually got a reality show that we're in the middle of, of speaking. We're looking for funding for doing that, but we're looking to... Um, to draft or rather to go into production of the, of the pilot around September this year. So we are in progress with a number of things. And the audio books, I've got some material in, um, so we literally have to just launch. I think we're looking for the end of October this year being very hectic for DC Media as we start to mm. put a lot of these things on the platform so that women can engage with them directly. Well, do keep us in, uh, posted with, you know, how developments go, because all those stories sound like absolutely what, we, what we're keen to hear. I think, you know, it's all about sharing women's stories but just lastly and very briefly interesting again that you've uh, spoken to all these women in all these different countries we were just hearing and I don't know if you were able to hear Kafuwe Masiteng there talking about the statistics that have come out looking at the inequalities that still exist here in South Africa did you feel that women in South Africa are doing better worse different have got the same or different challenges to women in Nigeria Lesotho Botswana Swaziland etc that's a loaded question. Mm. <laughs> contextual. I think you need to look at it from a contextual basis. If you say from an education perspective, it's for me, I'd be, I'd be giving personal opinions. I would say from an education perspective, I think a lot of people on the rest of the continent are getting a better deal because there's a more significant focus on very good education that makes you globally competitive. Um, if you think about access to opportunities, South Africans have got a lot more access to funding, have got a lot more access to, um, to, to finance than a lot of people on the rest of the continent. Um, if you're looking to access to opportunities, uh, the world's an oyster. I think what might be different is the mindset. And I think that the rest of the continent has got a very much more go-for-it mindset and not a wait, let's see what's going to happen. The continent is out there and they're grabbing opportunities. Wow, those are three very interesting points. Well, we really look forward to hearing more. So do keep us in touch and, uh, and we'll perhaps have you on the show again. I definitely do. So thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. And just lastly, your website, I think it's, it's, um, haditimedia.com. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Okay.
I'm going to follow the Twitter handle at Haditi Media. At Haditi Media, okay. Let me uh, let me spell it out quite literally, so if anybody would like to check it out, they can find out more. Lovely. Rahima, thank you very much. Good luck. Okay? Thank Bye. you very much. Have a good day. Rahima Isa, and she's talking there about Haditi Media. If you'd like to look at it, it's Haditi, is spelled H-A-D-I-T-H-I media.com, Haditi media.com, and the Twitter handle is at Haditi Media. So there you go. No, uh, no reason why you couldn't check it out. And we'll put all the details once again up on our Facebook page, which is otherwise, at, uh, otherwise on SAFM. Hi, I'm Valen Kirti. I'm a Shake the World ambassador, which means that I support the eight millennium development goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green beads adorn my wrist because I support goal two, achieving primary education. Goal number three, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And goal seven, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? This is SAFM. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. It is indeed otherwise talking women here on SAFM. Well, interesting to hear what uh, Rahima had to say there about women uh, elsewhere on the continent and here in South Africa and the way we're approaching things and the challenges that we face as women professionals. We're talking about uh, women and professionals. Professor Shahida Kasim. She's Associate Professor and Champion of Entrepreneurs at the, of Entrepreneurship at the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, where I think that they're going to be having a start-up weekend coming up later on in September, in fact. We've got her on the line. Hi, Professor Kasim. Hello, Nancy. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I think that the, the focus is really the start-up weekend that you've got coming up for entrepreneurs happening in September. That's right. What are you, what are you offering and uh, who should apply? Well, Startup Weekend is an event where we take aspiring entrepreneurs who have great ideas and put them through a, a kind of pressure cooker of a weekend where they're coached and provided with the skills and abilities and are ready to launch up after 54 hours. So we're calling it 54 Hours from Concept to Company. Yo, that sounds quite yeah. uh, intense. Yes, your word pressure cooker is, is rightly rightly chosen concept to company yes, in, in 54 hours. Though presumably they're, they're coming off a sort of not a completely bottom line base. They must be, they've got more than just a concept behind them. Well, no, we think that they should come with a raw idea. And, you know, we test out the idea. They have the opportunity to validate the idea. They're supported by coaches and mentors over the course of the weekend. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, we hope that this is an action-packed weekend and mm. they will come out with um, a, 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 a start-up, a ready-to-start-up venture at the end of the weekend. So they really don't need to have any particular tertiary education or qualifications? It, well, it would be nice if they do because yeah. it, the, the, the real criterion is the ability to articulate the idea, the ability to attract a team around you, and then the ability to validate that idea. So, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's not so much a question of having the idea in place. It's um, a lot more about having, um, you know, the ability to uh, to articulate and to, and to, and to Make, get the people yeah. around you, which happen. is really what we're looking to do yeah. over the weekend. Uh, may I just say that Startup Weekend is, is, is not something that I've dreamt up. Um, it's a global event. It happens uh, across the globe. Um, more than 
800 cities, you know, have held startup weekends across the globe. So, but we're the very first in Durban, and about the third in South Africa, I think. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is it so? Is it the first time? Well, the first time in Durban, but there have been yes, first yes. elsewhere in the country. Yes, I, I believe that there has been a startup weekend in Johannesburg. Um, I think it was in 2011 or 2012, and one in Cape Town previously. There's no way at this stage of knowing who uh, who's going to be coming along, but do you anticipate getting a, a fair a fair selection of women? We hope so. Yes, I hope so. I hope to attract um, women who um, have been dreaming of uh, starting their own businesses, who have some ideas around this. And in fact, what we're doing is we're saying, you know, for those people who are not really confident um, of, of their ideas, we're going to host an innovation workshop sometime in August. And we're hoping that a, a number of, um, of, of women can participate in that as well. Um, and so this innovation workshop is almost a pre-event event. Yeah. Um, you have, I mean, you've, you've been, I mean, I think one of you, you're a champion of entrepreneurship. And one of the things, I don't know if you were able to hear our previous speaker, but she has been talking to women professionals in a number of different countries here in Africa. And she was suggesting that education for women may be better in other countries uh, here in Africa. That access to opportunities, however, was probably better here in South Africa. But the mindset was probably better, the the sort of go-for-it mindset was probably better elsewhere in Africa than it is here. In terms of who you, people who are coming on board to be entrepreneurs, do you feel that women are a little bit uh, sort of slow in coming forward? Maybe they're not quite so go-for-it. Yes, absolutely. I think that the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor, you know, which is the annual survey that's undertaken in South Africa, the results have just come out a couple of weeks ago, and we can see that the gender gap in early stage entrepreneurial activity is widening. So, in fact, you know, women um, are not coming forward and starting up their own businesses, and indeed, even in terms of established businesses, the ownership by women is particularly low. So, so it is an area of concern, and I think that we have to put interventions in place to ensure that women, um, you know, do kind of equip themselves uh, so that they can start up and have sustainable businesses as well. You know, one of the issues is clearly that, you know, women are likely to have children at some stage in their life, which, which you know, often one thinks, well, start up your own business and then you can control it more easily, you know, rather than being an employee when it becomes difficult if you've got children. But it, it is a stumbling block. Do you think that is the stumbling block? Or what is it that you think is stopping women? No, I, I don't think that is. I think that the problem uh, w- or the challenges that women face um, are more around, you know, a perception of their capabilities, uh, the perception of opportunities. Um, and I think that uh, education can play a critical role um, in nurturing, you know, those kind of capabilities uh, to ensure that women kind of get off to the right start. Yeah, and providing they don't drop out of school earlier, as we were also hearing earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, uh, round up by telling us a little bit about the Startup Weekend. How many people are you able to take for these very intense 54 hours, and what do they need to do to apply? Well, we, um, you know, we, we're anticipating that we would have about 100 people mm-hmm. at, the, at the Startup Weekend. These participants can come from a wide range of backgrounds. We're not specifying that. 
We do not have a specific age group. Um, you know, it would be the ability to, as I said earlier, to articulate um, a, a business concept or, or an idea, not even a concept, an so idea. So will you, will you interview them face-to-face then rather than people sending No, no. Emails? What is going to happen is we've set up a website and there's going to be an online entry process. So these ideas will have to be submitted online. We will go through a screening process and we will then inform those whose ideas we think are worthy of, um, of elaborating. Well, then uh, all that remains for us to do is give out the website, which is what? It's Startup Weekend. It, uh, is it, it's StartupWeekend.org. StartupWeekend.org. Yes, that's right. Excellent. Professor Kasim, thank you very much for joining us and very best of luck. That sounds like lots of fun. 54 hours yes, of very yes. intense work. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you very, very much. Professor, you, cheers. Shahida Kasim, she is with the uh, Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN. And if you would like to apply, www.startupweekend.org. Startupweekend.org. And we'll put that up on our Facebook page as well. Next up here on SAFM, it's time for Nali Bali, the children's programme. <laughs> 